Motormania, it's the car talk show that everyone's talking about and I'll be here for the next two hours keeping you up to date with all the latest from the world of motoring. What's on the show today, Ray? Well, I'll be chatting to Mesa Wabi from Abu Dhabi 4x4 about her passion for off-roading. She goes three times a week. Plus, journalist Damien Reid joins us from Australia with the latest news, including details of the upcoming Women's World Car of the Year Awards. What's that, Ray? Well... The aim of these awards is to empower women to make the car buying decisions in their household based on what is most important to them. And the team behind the awards have said that women are increasingly making that final decision here in the Middle East. And it's often based on more practical reasons, things like safety, convenience. That, and that's mainly because of the increased likelihood that women need a car which allows them to juggle work and, crucially, parenting as well. OK, so that's the theme of this week's poll over on our Instagram page at Dubai I 1038 fm Who really decides what car to buy in your household? You can vote either him or her at Dubai I 1038 fm The key factors are what is the safest car we can buy at the lowest price and uh, does, does the missus like it? And that's pretty much what it is. But you can vote. Tell us how it works in your house. Him or her at Dubai I 1038 FM. Click on our story and you can vote there quite easily. Or if you fancy having a conversation about it, 4001 or call 04871 But before we get into any of that, it's time for... Fix it. Or flip it. Yes. In just a moment, Matthew Davidson, head of motoring at Dubizzle, will be joining us live on the line. Over the next hour, yes, hour, he'll be using his expertise and experience to provide live car valuations. So if you're trying to decide whether to fix up or sell your car, now is your opportunity. Give us a call, 04871 Matthew will give you that expert advice. What he needs is the make, the model, the year, the mileage and the condition of your car. And he'll tell you what you could get if you decide to sell it. 04871 He might think it's time to just let it go. Or he might say, hold on to it. Because, you know, that, that sounds like you've got a bit more value to get out of it. Good morning, Matthew. Ray, how have you been? Tickety-boo. How about you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> another, day in, another day in paradise, as my friends always say when we wake up in Dubai every day. I, exactly. And it does feel like that often, doesn't it? It really does. Uh, yeah, yeah. Matt, Matt, I wanted to ask, um, you, you'll have heard my little intro there. Who does the, the, the final decision-making in your household when it comes to which type of car to buy? I think that's a bit unfair <laughs> based, on, based on the job that I do. And, uh, yeah, my wife has zero input in anything to do with cars. Really? Um, zero? That, yeah. I mean, that's extreme. Yeah, well, actually, actually, no, no, let, let's be a bit fair. <laughs> um, she, she hates uh, any sports car, hypercar, supercar. Right. She will not even get in my McLaren. Um, <laughs> just, really? And she, her, uh, actually, her prerequisite for for any car is she wants the biggest lump of metal possible yes. around her yeah so think of land cruiser think of um f-150 think of nissan patrol mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. yeah so uh, but actually when it comes to going and making the the final decisions obviously she leaves that to me uh, understandably so the, the key factor there is for her is safety 100 percent. she just wants to feel she <clears throat> wants to feel safe 
when she's out on the road. Yeah. Um, and I and I think it, you know your poll will probably come up with some answers as well. Mm. But if you if you send that out to um, to people across the the UAE, I think that would come back as as one of the the main reasons people that look for a car, they, the yes. safety of their family, particularly if you've got children, that's uh, that's really important. I don't know if you're um, able to sort of give us an insight about who does the shopping online at Dubizzle. Have you noticed whether there's a trend? You know, if there's more men who are doing uh, doing the the browsing, or is it women? And and has there been any kind of change over time? Yeah, I think you you can't really see that online because people you know log in with different accounts yeah. but i can tell you because we have divisal pro which is a team on the ground assisting people so we do know who comes and views cars and who looks at cars and when it's a husband and wife viewing a car um it's 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 pretty even i mean they both have input and, and they both come to a final decision mm. and we do get for example husbands viewing a car and they'll say yes, this ticks all the right boxes. But you know, I'll bring my wife for the final right. uh, decision. So I, I think for me, um, uh, women are very smart. They kind of say to the guys, "You go and do all the heavy lifting and <laughs> yeah. go for all the cars." And when you find something that's pretty serious, that we mm. then you bring me in and I'll and I'll help you make the final decision. That seems to be the the recurring theme. I think if most. If most men, certainly men, uh, were honest, uh, who are listening to this, they would say that that is exactly what happens. There will be maybe more interest from often the men, not always, but often from the men, they'll be more interested in in sort of okay, doing the shop, the shopping for the car, the browsing for the car. But at the end of the day, it has to meet approval. Very much, <laughs> it's very important. Yeah, yeah, and and, and as as we say, it's got to it's got to fit the needs of the family. Yeah, you know this. Um, you know, and as we as we discussed, safety is by far at the very, very top of the mm, list. Absolutely. Well, the vote is online. It's at Dubai I one zero three eight FM. Vote him uh, if if he decides or her if she decides, uh, and we will update you on the poll throughout the day. But the reason that you are here, Matthew, today is for fix it or flip it. You're going to give some expert uh, evalu- valuation advice on whether people should fix or flip their cars. And should we just get straight into it because we've got um, a call here from Sandy. He phoned in a little bit earlier and he left this message for you. Hello, morning. This is Sandeep here. I've got two cars. The first one is a Audi Q7 2016 white color, about 80,000 kilometers on that. Uh, got a service uh, contract with Audi, so I wanted to know how much would that fetch. The other one is a Volvo XC40 G4, all-wheel drive, uh, 2019 model, gray color. Yeah, just wanted to know. Uh, and it's under warranty and everything with service contract and everything with uh, Volvo. I wanted to know how much that would fetch. Thank uh, you. Okay, let's start with the Audi. I think you said it was a Q7, uh, white eighty thousand. Yeah, what, what year was the Q7? I missed. I missed the year as well. I'm not sure. I if, don't if think he, he said it. No, I um, missed the year. Look, look, I'll do something that we normally do when we don't know the year. We'll base the kilometres being say five years old. So yeah. If it was a 2016, um, they're going for about 120 with those um, uh, kilometres on the market. Mm-hmm. So. Hopefully we we've guessed it right to to uh, to help him, um, but yeah, they're going for about one hundred twenty thousand dirhams. What did he say the Volvo was? Because now I'm thinking back with the uh, the Audi. Well, that was a twenty nineteen, an X forty. Yes, that's what I heard. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's still got a relatively new car there, so mm. he's fighting a little bit against people that can because Volvo are doing. Uh, 
pretty crazy deals at the moment. But that car, if we sold it with those kilometers right now, would be around 100, 105. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, it all depends what, what they're doing at Volvo because they're some insane deals at the moment. So you could cash that in, get himself 225K. And, uh, and get himself something brand new. Very nice. Um, yeah, he's, got, he's, he's got some money tied up in some cars there. Yeah. My phone's pinging a lot at the moment, Matthew, with um, with uh, car uh, dealers offering deals and say, not being very specific, but in the SMS, but saying, come on down, we've got some crazy deals going on. Is it is it the season? Well, I think it's it's we've had a monumental shift during 2020 mm. to pre-owned cars. And the, the new car guys... Um, they, they need to get rid of inventory. You order inventory literally six months to 12 months in advance. Mm. So they didn't know what was coming in 2020. So they're stuck with a lot of cars and they need to move them. So um, you can get a good deal, but where, you, where you've got real leverage apart from prices, you can negotiate the actual extras like service contracts, extended warranty. So if you are heading into a new car showroom, just bear that in mind mm. that you're holding the cards and you can negotiate a lot harder. Some good opportunities. Uh, 04871 That's the number to call uh, if you want to speak directly to Matthew. And that's better because then he can ask you very specific questions and get into the details. Because often, you know, we, we miss things when we send a message. But if you don't want to talk directly, it's 4001. Uh, however, we will give callers priority. At the moment, if you call in, you will get through to Matthew. 04871 Let's go to some of the texts uh, right now. Uh, George messaged in a little bit earlier and he says he's got a 2015 Camaro LT it's grey fully serviced at the agency extended unlimited mileage warranty until 2023 very good condition says George and oh dear 446,000 kilometres well I can't believe that a 15 Camaro would have that many kilometers. It might be a typo. So let me do two <laughs> things. Let me let me guess that it's 46,000 kilometers. Yeah. Which possibly might be more likely. That'd and be if interesting, it's a GTC, yeah. Yeah, a GTC Camaro LT, around 50,000 dirhams. If it did have Star Trek kilometers, then <laughs> you would literally be chopping that valuation in half. I, I would say the maximum he would get would be about 25,000 dirhams for that car. But let's let's hope for George's sake yes. that it's not 446,000 kilometers. <laughs> I thought it would be a bigger a, a bigger decline actually in price, but that that's that's not that that huge really, 50 well, to 25. Well, yeah, you say that, but I mean at the end of the day yeah. somebody for 25,000 can jump into what is a stunning looking car. Remember the Camaro was used in the Transformers movie, you know, the mm. Bumblebee, yeah. uh, that that that's the Camaro. So there's a, there's a little bit of a cult following, and they do look really good. So, yeah, the kilometers hurt it, of course. That's why it's going from 50 to 25,000. But, you know, as long as it's running mechanically well, I'd take that car for 25 um, and just drive it around Dubai. Very nice. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another one here from a man. Uh, it's a VW Touareg 2012D, uh, grey. Uh, there's some (laughs) numbers here which I don't recognise it says D Grey Cell V6 135,000 kilometres no accidents excellent condition leather seats agency maintained Uh, Cell is S-E-L which is the trim level right Um, okay that's one down from Sport which is the top trim so uh, it's the second best trim 
kilometers getting up there, but fair for a 2012. Mm -hmm. I would say out on the market, that would sell for around 40,000 dirhams. It's still a very nice car. And a lot of people actually chase uh, Tuaregs in, in the UAE. A lot of people like them. So there's a, a good good after-buy market for that. Okay, uh, we've got another one here. No name that I can see. It's a Toyota Land Cruiser, eight-cylinder, 2009. Uh, not a single accident. That's pretty impressive over the last 12 years. Um, original paint, 100% agency maintained with all records and uh, two years additional service contract. On the clock, 350000 Well, I don't think we go... A Saturday without talking about the Land Cruisers. Mm. Um, the V8 is obviously way more desirable than the V6. 2009, we know even with these kilometers, these cars still hold their value. That will sell for 60 to 65,000 all day long. Great cars always hold their value. Fix it or flip it. Oh, yes, the phone lines are lighting up and uh, joining us first up this morning is Nitin. Good morning, Nitin. Morning. How are you doing? You all right? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, very well. Before we get to the reason why you called, um, who makes the car buying decisions in your house? Actually, I wanted to tell that to Matthew. Oh, okay. Uh, Go on then. My wife, my missus. Good. She's got a clear choice about everything. So okay, clearly, okay. Even the car. <laughs> good. And what, what, what features, are like, what does she go for? What, what makes her decide what she wants to go for? I think it's more brand. Okay. The brand positioning. That's mm. what drives it. Oh, really? Yeah. It's about the label. Uh, yes, it's the more about the label. The label and the logo. Okay, well, that's interesting. That's yeah. very nice. Uh, online, you might be interested to hear, Nitin. At the moment, um, him is 67%, her 33%. So um, I'm surprised by that. I think that could uh, change. Uh, what did you want to ask Matthew? So... I just have a question. Um, I have a 2013 GTI. I run 120,000 kilometers. Uh, now we need to move to an SUV because I have a small kid. Congratulations. Uh, do I keep this car? I do. Do I keep this car and drive it to the ground? It's fully <laughs> paid out. It's a fun car. Or do I actually sell it? Will I get any value? I love that. Matthew, uh, 2013 Golf GTI, 120,000 kilometers. Morning, morning. Yeah, a great car. I remember um, well, more than 15 years ago, so many people that would move here, particularly from Europe, had always wanted a car like a Golf GTI, but the insurance is so high in Europe. And it was always a go-to car, and it still is a go-to car. So, I mean, in terms of, of value, I would say that car is still late 20s, um, maybe 28 to 30,000. So it's certainly... Uh, not not uh, the kind of money that you throw away, um, but it's just your appetite to run two cars. It's your appetite to to understand uh, if you're going to use it enough. But um, still, a fun car. You're not going to get much more fun for that price point. So um, your decision. But um, if you if you can have those uh, amount of cars in the household, then keep it and enjoy it. If not, go and get yourself twenty eight to thirty thousand dirhams. Mm. Nitin, does that help? Yeah, that's helpful. What, what, actually which way are you leaning now, then, after talking to Matthew? Um, I think at 30,000, I might as well keep this. It's a completely paid-out car. Mm. Um, drive it for another few years. Because the point is, even if I sell it two years down the line, is it going to really go down from 30 to 15? That's the question. Matthew. 
Well, you're looking, you're looking at this now. It will depreciate by about 10% a year. So maybe 27,500, then 25,000. So you'd still be looking around 25,000 in a couple of years. So yeah, you can keep it, enjoy it. I mean, if you look at it from a, 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 a loss perspective versus what you could do with that money, 5,000 over two years is nothing. You could never rent a car for that. So, um, yeah, if that's, if that's the way you're thinking, keep it, enjoy it for a couple more years. Hope that helps, uh, Nitin. Also, I'm just wondering, Matthew, I mean, in this part of the world, are we seeing more um, higher sales of, of SUVs because of that safety factor? You know, a lot of people are out here with their children and, you know, maybe uh, they feel like the roads are a bit different to their home countries. They want to have an SUV for that safety angle. Yeah, I mean, we've always been uh, a country that's enjoyed big vehicles, off-road vehicles and SUVs anyway. But if you look at the way car manufacturers have gone the last 10, 15 years, they've all, you know, every manufacturer's ended up with an SUV. Even the supercar guys like Lamborghini and the high-end luxury like Bentley, you've got the Bentley Bentayga, you've got the Lamborghini Urus. So you're spoiled for choice with SUVs, but Mm. the SUV sector here has grown uh, exponentially over the last 10 years. I mean, yeah, you've got so much choice. And a second-hand market as well. Uh, Pamela joins us on the line. She gave us a call on 04871 Good morning, Pamela. Good morning. Hi. How are you doing? You all right? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Hope you guys are good. We're doing all right. Uh, do you mind um, answering our poll question? Who's uh, responsible for buying, making the car buying decisions in your house? Um, I would say I probably would let my husband do all the legwork yeah. and then I get to do the final go ahead Fantastic, you give the, the final approval the stamp of approval, have you ever said no, we're not getting that Well, no, we've not bought a car for a while oh, Okay, so, so you've never had I to I don't know Yeah, you've never had yeah. to put your foot down on that one Okay, that's good not news yet. No, good. <laughs> uh, what did you ring in to ask Matthew? Um, well, I am probably going to be leaving the country, mm-hmm. so we, we're more than likely going to look to sell our car, and I just wondered what the value would be. Mm-hmm. It's a Ford Edge Sport, um, and it's 2014 model. Mm-hmm. And what about mileage? It's 76000 And condition? It's in good condition. Okay. Um, it has a couple of scratches from people in car parks that probably haven't been very considerate to, the, <laughs> to other people's cars. But other than that, yeah, it's in pretty good condition. It's service. Okay. Um, yeah. 2014 Ford Edge Sport. Uh, I've got a note here. It's red, 76,000 kilometres. couple of scratches. Matthew, fix or flip? Morning, Pamela. Um, great car. For people that don't know, the Ford Edge comes in so many different trims. SE, SEL, Limited, but Sport is the very top trim. That's that's the most desirable Ford Edge you can buy. In terms of value at 2014 with that uh, type of kilometers, I would say you'd be probably late 40s, something like 48, 49,000 that, that should sell for. Um, you need to make a big highlight in your advertisements, whether it's on Debiz or Facebook. Wherever you put this car, you need to put in big letters that it's a Sport top-of-the-range sport because that, that makes the difference. Mm. Oh, perfect. It does have a couple of scratches on the alloys. Would that make a difference? Well, we call it parking by touch. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a reality. Yeah. It's a reality. And your car's not brand new. You have to, you have to be very um, frank with people that view the car. If they want to buy a brand-new, perfect car, they can go to Ford and, and pay 190000 for the new Ford Edge Sport. 
Um, if they're really deep and bad scratches, you can go to various wheel fixing companies and, and you, they'll charge you around 250 to 300 dirhams to fix each wheel. Mm. Um, but, okay. you know, if they're not really bad, just make a joke of it with somebody coming to see and say, look, you know, this is the reality of owning a, a pre-owned car. So Perfect. 48, 49, is that going to help in the, the next stage in your adventure, your journey? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I thought he was going to say maybe 30 or something. Oh, okay. So that's excellent. <laughs> oh, that p- pays for the flights as well. What's, what, what have you got planned then? Is it back to the UK, Pamela? No, I think um, to Riyadh. Oh, wow. Yeah, seems to be where a lot of the work is right now. So. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, yeah. I hope that all goes well. Thanks very much for calling in and um, hope you'll have an extra few thousand uh, dirhams there to help you on your journey. Um, let's go back to our text, 4001. Um, Matthew, 2012 Lamborghini LP550 Gallardo convertible, 34,000 kilometres. And that's uh, Suhail has texted in. Well, Sahel's got the right car for the right weather. Um, mm. I, I would get advertising that fast because, you know, we've, we've only got about, what, three or four months of realistically good convertible weather. Mm. Um, people looking to get into that car will, will spend around 300000 That's what they're going to buy that car for. Um, the, for people that are interested in all these different acronyms and names, etc., LP is an Italian word. That's, I think, yep, this is really tough for me even. I think it's longitudinale posterate or something okay. but it basically means it basically means a mid-engine car positioned at the rear it, it means like uh uh that's the lp part okay. and the 550 is actually the brake horsepower it's five ah, so if, okay. if you think it's just the italian's fancy way of saying it's a mid-engine behind position behind you with 550 brake horsepower but that car will sell for 300 thousand dirhams on the market and right it's, now. it's got very low mileage for a, for a 2012 34,000 kilometers again it hasn't it hasn't okay. a lot of these supercars they're they're driven just at weekends with nice weather mm. and they're usually parked for the summer months I, I don't drive my car for three months of the year i just take it out in the evening for sometimes an hour just to recharge the battery but it's parked predominantly for three months of the year so this actually is it's not. It's a little bit lower than normal. I'd expect it more like forty-five thousand, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's not unusual. Is it, and I wanted to ask you that actually, but you preempted it slightly. But you're saying so you you would take yours out in the evening just for a, a quick sort of drive around to keep the battery fresh. Is, is there anything else you need to do if you if you're gonna um, you know have a car that you don't drive a lot of the time? Well, you need to make sure that uh, the fluids are always at the right level. And mm. most modern cars will tell you with computers that have, have a fluids particularly low. But you want to make sure that all the right fluids are topped up. Mm. Tires is an important one because if you leave a car parked for too long, you'll get flat spots on the tires. So you need to actually just move that car at least every couple of weeks. The reason I go out in the evening is because the sun is so harsh mm. in in july and august that and even though it's hot still like 45 and humid um i'll i'll just quickly take it for a run um i might go to the mall of the emirates and back or something and then i've moved the tires i've charged the battery yeah. and i just look on the dashboard for any indicators that that something's wrong like the fluids need topping up and you know if they do just drive straight to one of those uh, fuel station mm. uh, fast tracks or auto pro and, you know, for free, they will check your fluids anyway. They'll check your tires. They'll check your fluids. Yeah. We all give the guys a few Durham's tips for, for taking care of us. But they do all that for free. And, and even if the fluids do need topping up, it's a few Durham's to put some 
extra oil in or whatever you need. This is Motor Mania with Ray Addison. Powered by servicemycar.com, the UAE's first and largest vehicle servicing network. There's more coming up on Dubai I 103.8. Yes, if you just joined us, car valuation guru Matthew Davidson is here to let you know if you should fix or flip your car. We need the make, the model, the year, the mileage, the condition. Good morning, Niraj. Good morning, Matthew. Good morning, Guru. Hey, how are you doing? You're nice and cheerful. Um, Yes, all good. Early morning. Excellent. Life, uh, Life is good. Can good I, may I ask uh, you, uh, Niraj, if, are you a married man? Yes, I am. Okay, good. And um, uh, how would you vote in our poll? Who makes that final decision on what car to buy in your household? I think uh, between me and my wife, I'm a little more tech savvy. Uh, mm-hmm. And I love cars. Mm-hmm. So I think the decision finally is with me. We do look at all the options commercially, financially, yeah. what's there, but then the final call is with me. The final call. Well, that's the way the poll's going at the moment. 78% him, 22% her. <laughs> is it, is that that's surprising me a little bit? Is it surprising you? No, actually, it's okay. I think, uh, I mean, with the change in the way the structure of society is changing, I think more women are buying for themselves, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have two cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, the car that I bought, both the car that I bought was my decision. It was more about uh, what is good, stable for my wife. She shouldn't have a problem on the road. Yeah. Uh, I did buy a second-hand car for my wife. So my criteria was money, for sure. Mm. But then also a good car, which does not you know, stop her on the road. And she's comfortable driving and safe. So she so trusts She trusts you to make the decision, but obviously you know what's important to her as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think so. Especially on tech side, yeah. I take the call, but otherwise, she's the boss. Good. Uh, Niraj, uh, thanks, for, <laughs> thanks for calling in, and we know you want to ask uh, Matthew about your car, whether you should fix or flip. Go ahead. Yeah, I've got a Prado, a Toyota Prado 2018 model. Uh, it's a topping model, 2.7 litre engine. Uh, 2018 model, it's done about 75,000 kilometers. Mm-hmm. I was thinking it's still under warranty, completely maintained by Alphatim uh, agency. <clears throat> I was upgrading my vehicle to a better vehicle, a much more powerful engine. Mm. So I was thinking, what value can I get for my current vehicle? Uh, as uh, Matthew was earlier saying, these are the touch-based parking scratches. I also have few of them, but not something very, very prominent. Okay, so you're look, you're looking for the expected selling price because you want to get something more powerful, Matthew. Yes. Morning, Niraj. Um, did you say the kilometres were around forty-five thousand? Seventy-five. Oh, seventy-five thousand. Okay, as you know, you've got two engines for that product. You've got a two-point-seven four-cylinder and the four-litre V6. The V6, because of the size of the car, is is much more desirable. So. Uh, that's always the one a lot of people chase. However, it's still a Prado. Um, but with those kilometers, I think it's going to sell for around 110. Maybe you can put it on a bit higher, like 115 or even 118, 119. But in the market right now, with those kilometers, I think that car's going to sell for around 110. What do you think about uh, uh, with the, with with yeah? If it was the the uh, more desirable uh, V6, the six cylinder, it would sell for a for a lot more, but that car will still sell for uh, 110, being the four-cylinder, because well, there isn't that many Prados out there. But if you'd if you'd actually had the uh, 
the four liter, the V6, you'd, you'd be um, at least another fifteen to 20,000 above that. What are you thinking about valuation then, Niraj? Is that going to help? I think uh, it's much, uh, much higher than what I expected. Oh. Thank you, Matthew. I guess you have made my day. <laughs> Thank you, Niraj. <laughs> Thank you. It's, uh, that's a little bit of a trend there, Matthew. I've noticed over the weeks that um, you've been doing this segment on the show, you know, people are often quite surprised. They can get more than they would expect. Yeah, we, we do we do um, disappoint some people, but mm. it depends on the makes and models. But I find in the UAE, a lot of people don't realize cars like Mitsubishi Pajeros, cars like uh, Land Cruisers and uh, the, the Prado, as we've just been discussing, they really hold their value. And a lot of people actually go and trade these cars or sell them online without knowing their true value and actually end up losing uh, out on extra gains. So um, do your due diligence and, and look at what these cars are selling for out on the open market and always start just a little bit higher than you think mm. then, then you've got the ability to come down, but not too much because you don't want to price yourself out of the range. But um, yeah, that, that car will sell for 110. Mm. Uh, I bet there's not too many out there on the, on the market right now as well, 2018. Uh, getting into, what is it, the last 20 minutes with Matthew. Good morning, Karen. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you? Bright and breezy. I'm, I'm, I'm full of the joys of spring today for some reason. I really don't know why, but I'm enjoying myself. So it's nice to have you on the line. Um, can I ask thank how you, you would much. vote in our poll? Right. Well, um, both my husband and I work, mm-hmm. um, so we have our own uh, cars. And um, we, we pretty much... Um, stick to our own um, system. So he makes his decisions about his cars, which I don't necessarily agree with. And (laughs) I make mine about mine and he may not necessarily agree with that. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so there would be no kind of vetoing power over either your choice or his choice. It's it's, you, you can get what you want because it's your money. You can do what you like with it. Absolutely. It's, it's a very okay. democratic process. So, um, interesting. Yeah, there you go. And, and, and some of the people that have, uh, some of our callers today have been saying that they will do the legwork or they will get their husband to do the legwork initially and then the decision will be theirs. Do you get involved in that way or, or are you sort of 100% going down the garages, looking online and doing all of the, all of that initial part of the search? Yes, I, I, I do do most of it myself. Mm-hmm. I, I would certainly ask for his opinion because um, um, I guess it's rather a sexist comment, but I guess blokes are <laughs> more knowledgeable <laughs> in cars and certainly have a, a greater interest generally. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, listening to what you were saying before, safety is very important to me, but also value for money. Yeah. Um, I, I think that everybody decides where they want to spend their disposable income and, and cars is probably not an area that I would do that for, you know, without considering the value. It's more about, yeah, what it delivers and, and, and safety, yeah. OK, well, that poll is online at Dubai i 1038 fm uh, Click on our Instagram page and then you can click on the stories if you want to vote. But, Karen, you've called in to ask Matthew a question. Uh, go ahead. Oh, thank you very much. Good morning, Matthew. How are you? I'm very good, Karen. Good to speak to you. You too. Um, Matthew, I have um, a 2011 three-door Pajero and uh, I've um, only done 65,000 kilometres on it. It really hasn't done a lot other than sort of motoring around in, in Dubai. Um, and uh, the paintwork's a bit, you know, uh, chipped 
often, you know, given its age. Um, and it has um, an upgrade of uh, leather front seats. And I was just wondering what the value of, of, of that would be. Well, the good news is you've got a hot ticket. I mean, uh, yes, it's a 10-year-old car, but that also brings it into the price point of a lot of people that can afford it. Uh, those kilometers are insanely low for a, for a Pajero that's 10 years old. Um, mm. I think your car's going to sell for 30,000 dirhams. Um, you may right. be surprised at that, but you need to make sure that you really highlight in the uh, advertisements that you're going to put out there on the Bizzle or on Facebook or on your community groups that this has 65,000 kilometers. Um, I'm going to make a prediction. If you put this car online for 31 or 32 and you hold your ground at 30, you will sell this car within a week, 10 days, maybe even one day, but it won't certainly be around for much more than a week, 10 days. Mm. Is that is that what you were expecting then, Karen, or is that a bit higher? Um, actually, it's, it's, it's higher. I just remember you saying quite some time ago that um, Pajeros were popular. Mm. and um, But that's great news. I'm, I'm very happy with that. Thank you very much. I've got a note here that says that you've got um, leather front seats upgrade as well. Would that add anything, uh, Matthew? Would that add a, a few extra thou? Well, I, I think because of the nature of, of the car being a free door that most people are predominantly uh, obviously sat in those two front seats. There isn't any rear seats. So, uh, and uh, it depends on your take on leather seats. I prefer them because they're easier to clean and wipe down. Some people don't like them because when it gets hot, obviously you, you get a bit of a sweaty back. Um, but uh, it, I, I would say it would only enhance the ability to sell that car. It's, it's certainly not going to... Uh, to hurt you or make it feel a bit more premium. And I, and I imagine they're in great condition if there's been an upgrade or a change because they weren't there from the beginning of, of the car's life. So, yeah, another thing that you should mention in the advert that, it's, uh, that it certainly has got um, leather seats for sure. Well, I hope that helps, Karen. Uh, what was it? About 40, 30, what was it? 31, 32,000. So uh, there you go. Progero's holding their value, especially with the low mileage. Fix it. Or flip it. Matthew Davidson, he's our car valuation expert. He's with us on the line and he's taking calls from you, the great UAE public on 04871 Matthew, we have a caller. Adil is on the line. Good morning, Adil. Good morning, Ray. How are you doing? Yeah, very well. How are you? Yeah, all good. Excellent. Um, how have you voted in our poll, or how would you vote in our poll? Who makes the final decision on what car to buy in your house? Um, as you said at the beginning, I think it's a 50-50 vote. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do believe that the, like men would do the heavy lifting part, right? and then a woman would come uh, at the end for the final decision. Do you know what? So I... I'd say a woman. Uh, yeah, I would, but it's not. I don't know if our social media users are, are, are kind of slightly different. But there's, there's, it's eighty men, twenty uh, women at the moment. So there's like a really strong push on social media towards the guys, and quite a strong push, I think, on um, with our callers uh, towards women. So it's really, really interesting. Uh, anyway, you called up for evaluation from Matthew. What would you like to ask him? Um, good morning, Matthew. Morning, morning. Um, I, I have a Ford F-150 Lariat. It's a four-door truck. Um, and I did all my service and 
I had a warranty from uh, Altair Motors, and I extended the warranty up to December 2022. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, there are a few scratches. It's 2015, the model. And I'm, I'm thinking that the mileage is 120 now, so the more I wait, the more the value would drop. So um, I want to know your opinion. Would I sell it? Shall I sell it now, or should I just wait? That's what this uh, well, show is all about, Matthew. What would you say, fix it or flip it? Well, first of all, you've got uh, something that's an ace card. You've extended the warranty. So, I mean, that immediately puts any buyer at comfort about the age and the kilometers. You certainly need to sell it while it's in that warranty period. I mean, if you, if you really like the truck, and you're enjoying it and you want to maybe uh, get a bit more use out of it, we're still with the nice weather. You could sell it at the end of, of this coming summer, so maybe September or October ahead of the new season. It will still have warranty going into 2022. So let's say six, maybe even nine months warranty left. Um, but, don't, but don't underestimate the power of that warranty. That would be the headline in any of your advertisements. Mm -hmm. In terms of value, Currently, with those kilometers, my gut feeling tells me it's going to be around uh, 85 um, because of the warranty. Um, but, yeah, if you like this truck, I'd keep hold of it for now because that's a real ace card you've got there. How do you feel about that valuation, 85? But he's saying keep hold of it, Matthew says. I, I, I was going to do the same. I really, I really love the, the truck, but at the same time, I'm thinking about the value in order to... If I wait too long, but by the end of the the, the next summer or 2021 December, let's say, mm. that would be a good time for me to sell it. Yeah, that seems to be the advice. Uh, an, a year left on the warranty, so that would be the key time to do it. 85K. I uh, hope that helped a deal. Uh, you're actually going to be our last caller in this part of the show. Uh, Matthew, can I give you a very quick um, text to do? This is from Matt. He's got a Lexus RX 350. It's 2015, well-maintained, no scratches. Uh, it's done 320,000 kilometres uh, because he's commuting to Abu Dhabi. Uh, what would he get if he sold this beauty of his? Although he says he'll cry when it goes, uh, and oh, that's from actually that's sorry that, that's from Ranjan, and he's talking to to you. He's addressing you, Matt. Yeah, he, Ranjan is going to be stressing because they are great, reliable cars. Um, it's like a a small uh, small SUV, really, the RX three fifty midsize. They call it. Um, in terms of if it's a GCC, it will sell for around forty five thousand, but. A lot, of the, lot of imports for these cars in 2015, I imagine it could be U.S. specs, which will be more like 35,000. Um, so I hope that helps. But, yeah, if, if, if you're still doing those type of commutes, it might be worth hanging on to it just to uh, – <laughs> because uh, it's not going to make a huge difference if you add another 50,000, 60,000 kilometres over the next few months. Hope that helps, Ranjan. Uh, Matthew, we're rapidly running out of time. It's time to move into speed quote. Uh, still five to beat. Um, I've got a bunch of uh, SMSs that have been sent in in front of me. I'll read them to you as quickly as I can, um, and let's see how many we can get through in 60 seconds. Are you up for it? Ready, let's go. Okay, we're going um, to start the clock. <laughs> this is, do you know what? I don't know why we do this segment. It makes me so tense. But anyway, let's do it. In, <laughs> starting the clock in three, two, one. Okay, Toyota Land Cruiser 2014 white VX, VXR, 255,000 kilometres. Uh, that's the top option. That'll be 95,000. 
Jeep Sahara 2013 Military Green, which is discontinued. Custom black roof, 79,000. Super rare and desirable. Um, at least 55,000, maybe 60,000. Jaguar XK 2012, 62,000. Convertible, good condition. Uh, good time to sell. Uh, 75,000, I would price that at. 2009 Tahoe Gold, 560,000. Consumes a lot of petrol. 15, 20k max. Uh, Audi S3, uh, 2016, 155,000. 60,000. Infinity QX60, 2017, 71,000. Navy Blue, no accidents, runs well. That's 71,000, about 70,000 dirhams. FJ Cruiser 2019. You did it! Six! You got six. (laughs) (laughs) And we were on to the seventh. Do you know what? I don't. Firstly, this is a success for you, okay? But it's a learning experience for us. I think the main fault here is mine. I need to read these quicker and I need to give you the information in a much more precise and shortened way. And do you know what? By the time this show is in a few months' time, we might be up to 10. Do you think we can do it? I don't know about I don't know about that. I told you before this is very stressful. I think I deserve a jingle for this round. I think actually, you should I work on you. a a jingle for this round. Actually, I agree with you. Actually, and uh, we're going to make. I can see the guys through the glass are staring blank. No, they're putting their thing. They're giving their a thumbs up. So that's going to happen. Uh, Matthew, uh, thank you, thank you so much as always for for joining us. Really enjoy uh, this part of the show, um, and we really appreciate your advice. So many calls and, and texts. And if we didn't get to you guys, if we didn't get to get the valuation from Matthew for your vehicle. We will add it to the list uh, for next time we're on air. So make sure you stay tuned to Motormania. Uh, much going on with you, Matthew today off to off to anything exciting well i actually have some uh lunch booked with some very dear friends who i haven't seen for a while so i'm actually quite looking forward to that excellent stay safe socially distance and enjoy yourself in a responsible way we appreciate your time yes. Matthew, and we'll speak to you next time this is motor mania with ray addison powered by servicemycar.com now shut up and drive. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Yes, hello. You're listening to Motormania. This is your chance to talk cars and keep up to date with the latest motoring news. And if you've just joined us, where have you been? We've been on since 10 a.m. Still to come on today's show, I'll be chatting to Mesa Wabi from Abu Dhabi 4x4 about her passion for off-roading. Guess how many times she goes off-roading in a week? Three times. Plus, we'll be chatting about the upcoming Women's World Car of the Year Awards. Their aim is to empower women to make the car buying decisions in their household based on what is most important to them. And the team behind the awards are saying that women are increasingly making that final decision here in the Middle East. And it's often based on more practical reasons of safety and convenience compared to the reasons that men might have for buying a car. And of course, that's due to the increased likelihood that many women will be needing the car, which allows them to juggle work and parenting. OK, so that's the theme of the poll that we're running on our Instagram page at Dubai I 1038 fm Who really decides what car to buy in your household? You can vote either him or her at Dubai I 1038 
FM and let us know what factors are most important to you when making a car purchase. Now, I just looked at the survey uh, about a minute ago and it was 75% in favour of the men and 25% to women. And yet, so many of the people that are calling up are saying, actually, it's very much 50-50 or the woman will make the final decision after some of the legwork's been done um, by the husband. If that's uh, your situation, let us know. Get yourself online and vote because I want to see this even up a little bit. I'm surprised by this. I think it'd be way more back towards 50-50 or or slightly in favour of of the women. But let us know at Dubai Eye1038FM. Okay, first, it's time to catch up on the latest motoring news with journalist Damien Reid. And uh, Damien, I believe you're still in Australia. Yeah, good morning. Uh, Yes, I'm still... uh waiting for that, uh, that that mythical flight that might actually carry me back <laughs> out of there at some stage. So my name's on the list and I'm waiting to get a call at some point. And, but, you know, it's not not the worst thing in the world, I guess. You know, you're enjoying yourself, I'm sure. I'm enjoying a, a fairly COVID-free lifestyle, which, mm. is, which is a nice change. Good. And uh, and obviously getting a lot of family time in and that's summer here, so the weather's good. So, mm-hmm. yeah, just, just waiting to... Uh, to eventually head back and uh, and get back into Dubai again. Well, we look forward to that. Um, if you don't mind, I want to start with this uh, Women's World Car of the Year Awards. Um, this is all about the cars that women want to drive and why. They're going to release the results of this um, at the end of, of this month, the results of, of the award. So it'll be interesting to see what eventually makes it um, to, the, to the podium on that. But what's your views on, on who does most of the final decision-making when it comes to car buying yeah it's an interesting one there's a, a sort of kind of a, almost a popular belief that that it's men that dominate the sort of thinking of purchasing mm. cars but if you speak to dealerships around around the country and around other places it's actually more the women that, that tend to sort of steer and uh the the, the buying tendencies of the husband or themselves um mm. into purchasing the car now before uh women were issued with driving licenses in in saudi arabia for about uh I think I was speaking to a dealer up there, a couple of importers up there, um, for probably a good five to eight years before that, um, the female buyer was about 68% of the, of the purchases of cars. Oh, really? Even though they couldn't drive the cars because <laughs> it was still their car, but it was being driven by someone. So they yes. were choosing the car, or they are choosing the car that they, for their husband because they were going to spend a lot of time in it as well. Mm. So it kind of goes against a lot of the, the populist thinking. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, I mentioned in the intro there that um, one of the ideas is that women are a bit more interested in the safety features or, or buying a car that's sort of practical from a point of view of lugging around, you know, children and, 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 and work responsibilities. And yet the Middle East market has seen a huge increase in women buying supercars and, and luxury SUVs as well. So those two things, you know, it's not just a stereotype is 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 my point there's you know women here in the in the middle east are buying and have the power to buy whatever vehicle they want and they've got the money to do that a lot of them yeah absolutely absolutely i think it's kind of almost a bit of a stereotype now that that women should buy the family car and men should buy the supercar i think it's almost um it's a little too simplistic to put mm. things that way because yeah. we've got you know, as you're saying them in the uae you know we've got uh, women who love buying supercars there's a female supercar car club um, that's very active, but likewise now, also in this COVID era as well, with a lot of people working from home, mm. that there's a sharing of duties and and the concept that perhaps women are the, are the ones that always take the kids to school and and, and the stay at home mums has kind of 
that's that's an old kind of thinking. So you've got guys who drop their kids to school on the, on the way in. So the thinking now with obviously supercars are um, uh, very very easy to drive for everyone now. Um, and off-roaders are no longer like the big old SUVs. You have to get out and lock wheel hubs and transfer cases and things like that. That they're pretty much a car now is a car that anyone can drive. Mm. So it's kind of a, a, you know, everyone likes, I know so many women who like supercars, but I like guys who also are into the family cars yeah. as well. Because I want to, you know, cool. they, they take the kids to the sport on the weekend and they drop, they do do the school run before work because maybe, their wife works different hours. So that's it. I, it's become yeah. a very grey area. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm, a little bit later on, I'll be chatting to uh, motoring journalist and lifestyle journalist Shireen Shabnam as well. So we're we'll getting her point of view. So it's not just a boys' club today, hopefully. Um, that It's not coming across like that. But we'll be hearing from her view as well of the experience that women have of, of buying a car um, out here in the Middle East. Um, I wanted to move to another story now, Damien, if that's all right. Um, and um, this one sort of piqued my attention because Elon Musk's former chief engineer has uh, created a new car and he says that it beats Tesla. It's going to beat Tesla. What what can you tell us about this? Yes. Yeah, so this is the uh, this is a, a, a new car that, that's being launched. These days. It's for former Elon Musk, a guy who developed the Tesla, and it's, the, it's from a company now called Lucid Motors. Mm-hmm. The first car to come out of it is called the Lucid Air. Mm-hmm. And it's being built in a factory in, in Arizona, but it's actually, the company's actually now two-thirds owned by Saudi Arabia, okay. by the Saudi Investment Fund. So they're also looking at building a factory in Saudi Arabia to build these uh Initially, it'll be a luxury car. It'll Mm -hmm. take on the like of the Porsche Taycan, um, but full electric vehicles with a rollout from this year. So, yeah, and and obviously he's coming with a lot of... a lot of hype because he was the man behind, you know, Tesla's early success with the Model S and, mm. and he's, you know, got a lot more technology coming along that way as well. So, yeah, a lot of people are looking at, at, at the Lucid product range that's uh, going to hit the market this year. And it's priced at $169,000, um, released this spring, apparently. Um, and he says that uh, this top, the dream edition of the Lucid Air is going to top the S with an industry leading 517 miles per charge. Also, it'll recharge fast and it'll have the ability to go from um, zero uh, miles per hour to 60 miles per hour in just over two seconds. And yet I also read that um, Elon is not taking this lying down. He is responding later on this year with the... How do I pronounce this? Is it played? Plaid? Plaid. Plus. I'm not sure, to be honest. I think it's <laughs> might be played. Or played. <laughs> He's been played. It's been played by his engineer. Uh, but the the played <laughs> the played plus, which accelerates in just under two seconds, just under two seconds, and can go uh, 520 miles per charge. So that's uh, it's a bit like well, whatever you think you can do, I can I can do better. So it's interesting. That there's this sort of bit of a battle going on here. It really is. It's funny that you know that, that yeah, this this. this uh, Played or plied, whatever you call it, <laughs> only has an extra three kilometres in range compared yeah. to, to to the uh, the Lucid Air. But uh, Lucid has, has gone into partnership with Samsung to develop a, a different style of battery as well. So yes. they're claiming that they're they're achieving a, a powertrain efficiency that is in in US terminology four point seven miles per kilowatt hour, which in our terminology is about double what the Porsche is claiming out of the Taycan. So mm. you know there's there's a, a lot of technology going to this. They've got uh, they've got this car that's coming out now. Now, in the middle of the... There's a second Grand Touring version that's going to come online. Uh, there's also a, um, 
a touring estate, like a, an estate version. Mm-hmm. There'll be an a, 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 a entry level model. They'll be coming in at around about seventy thousand US at this stage, so two hundred and fifty thousand dirhams thereabouts. And then a crossover SUV coming in later on. So, um, you know, certainly they're, they're not sort of entry level stuff that we could all afford. I mean, mm. this this the first one, the Lucid Air, is going to be, you say, one hundred and sixty nine thousand dollars, a bit over six hundred thousand dirhams. So, it's going to be up there, but yeah. um, offering offering a, a lot of technology that's going to come with it as well. The Dream Edition is the is the top line model that you're talking about, which has the eight hundred and thirty kilometer charge uh, range. And uh, and the and the two and a half seconds acceleration. So that's the one that's going to be about six hundred thousand or just over dirhams. Um, but it's going to take on as so the likes of the Taycan, the Mercedes, BMW, the Tesla Model S. Mm. It really is the top of the range. But it is actually, yeah, it's it was being kicked along by the investment from uh, from the the Saudi investment fund. They took sixty seven percent, I believe, um, last year. So it's just about to get things rolling now. Uh, Damien Reed is the voice you can hear. Joins us all the way from Australia. Motoring journalist at Damien Reed Online, if you want to follow him as well. Loads more still to talk to him about in terms of the latest motoring news. We know that Ford are sharing their connected car data. Also, the uh, Bizzarini Italian uh, car has been remanufactured, plus the brand new Mercedes EQA uh, is coming out very soon. There's more to come on Motormania with Ray Addison. Powered by servicebycar.com. We collect, we service, we deliver. Dubai I 103.8. Yes, if you just joined us, we're chatting to motoring journalist Damien Reed, all the way from Australia. All right, Damien? Yeah, all going well. All going well, right? <laughs> you disappeared for a minute there from my screen. You, you, you dropped off your call and then we were like, where's he gone? I'm waving at the window. <laughs> I don't know, something happened on the transatlantic there somewhere, but we're, we're back anyway. <laughs> you're back, you're back, you're back, you're back, and it's good to have you. Uh, if you want to follow Damien online, he's at Damien Reed uh, on social media. I suggest you do that. Um, we're talking about the latest news stories, um, and just before the break, I mentioned that Ford is uh, has announced that they're going to share their connected car data. For, for, for those of us who aren't particularly technical, what does this mean? How's it going to work? Yes, yeah, so this is a big, big step. This is basically cars now starting to talk to each other in real time on the road. So what they're going to do is they're going to start sharing information on the road in terms of road hazards, uh, weather information, and that sort of thing. So Ford are tapping into a system that was that was developed, a, a technology called HERE, H-E-R-E, that's owned by, jointly owned by Volkswagen uh, Mercedes and BMW, and, it, and it's now being rolled out in the United States with with uh, with Ford, Volvo as well are coming into it. TomTom, Tom, the the navigation company, mm. and so essentially what it is is the cars will be able to read, will be able to get information from the car ahead. For instance, so if the, for instance, if the car ahead suddenly all the cars ahead put their fog lights on, mm-hmm. it's reasonable to assume that there's fog there. So the information comes back to the, to you and the car. And a message will come up in your dash saying hazard fog ahead. Maybe turn the lights on, slow down, be prepared. Or the left lane might be closed because the car is stalled around the corner over, mm. over a blind crest. And you get the message on your dash before you come around. And really, really innovative technology that's now just starting to be rolled, rolled out through, through the um, Ford products. Now, now, I mean, this all seems brilliant to me. I love it. But I know some people um, instinctively sort of shy away from any kind of 
personal data being shared with anybody. So do you think there'll be a few sort of people in their sort of foil hats who, who aren't too keen on you know, the information from their car being sent to other cars nearby? I mean, yeah, of course we've got to expect that. And, and there will be certain information that will be transferred. But it'll be information concerning concerning the car and, and the, the features you're using. And, mm. and for instance, other things too, if the airbag goes off, it will indicate to the cars behind that a fairly major accident has happened ahead. So there, there, there's those things as well. But yes, of course, some information will be transferred up and, and you can be sure that, that there'll be information such as your speed will be transferred up as well. But these, te- these, these kind of technology is already out there and, they, and it's very easy to know that now as to what you're doing. And, and I say to, you know, often say to people with the, the team of floor hat guys and that sort of thing is that if you're carrying a phone in your pocket, I mean, yeah. that's pretty much indicates exactly where you are and what you're doing at any particular time anyway. Sure. So nothing really new is going to come out, I don't think, to be too, too concerned about. Good, good. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sold. I'm convinced. I think it's fantastic. I just wonder how the, you know, how much it's going to sort of change the interior of the car. Because as you're kind of listing through some of the, the notifications that we will receive or could receive, I'm kind of thinking about how that's all going to be displayed in front of me. And I mean, I can barely understand some of the, you know, the oil, oil, yeah. oil light. I get that, but I'm just sort of thinking, okay, how's it all going to be displayed? <laughs> and is it going to distract me? But then I guess if I'm not, if I'm, if I'm no longer actually driving the car in ten years time i'm hands-free for example um you know it's, yeah. it's, it's driverless then um you know you've got more room to kind of just sit and look at the screen and see what's going on i guess well precisely it's going to be more integrated into your navigation system yeah. and for instance the navigation system is morphing into an ai system so the new cadillac we drove the the, the new cadillac escalator a few months ago in dubai already has this this ai interface and it, what it does is it turns your screen in front of you into a forward camera um and, and, and it basically puts the navigation onto real-time on the road in front of you. So it's, it's wow. hard to describe in words, but, but basically um, you still have your dials in front of you, but what you see is you'll see an arrow with like the navigation superimposed over the camera to say this is the road you should take, this is the lane you should be in, and these are the road signs you should follow and avoid, kind of thing. It, it overlays the navigation instructions over the real-time of what you're seeing in front of you. Um, from a forward camera. So on top of that, that's where this is going to come in. It's going to say, move to the, move to the right lane, move to the left lane, maybe turn your fog lights on. It'll be fairly intuitive, I would have mm. thought, by the time it gets rolled out. I just hope it all happens before I'm too old to un- to be able to cope with it. You know, just like <laughs> the older I, I get, I just, I just want months, to keep to things. Okay, fine. Oh, good. Oh, that's all fine then. But yeah, but what about by the time I can afford to have it? <laughs> that's the difference. Oh, that's another thing. No, yeah. Forget about it. Um, your, your friend, you'll ride with your friends. That'll be <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, or a modern Uber car. I'm, I'm not sure, but yeah. <laughs> okay, right. I'll just get ready to cope now. Um, let's talk about um, the Biz, the Bizzarini. Uh, it's uh, an Italian sports car company from the 1960s and it's coming back. Yeah, talk about the sublime to the ridiculous. We're, we're going back in time now. Yeah, right. Um, and and <laughs> Bizzarini was a was a company from 1964 to 69, uh, an Italian car company. It was, uh, it was developed by a guy called Giotto Bizzarini, who was a former Alfa Romeo Ferrari uh, engineer, and mm. he developed beautiful Ferraris like the 250 GT and the 250 GTO that are worth millions of dollars now. And he developed this the, this cars for a short time. Now the Someone still owns the rights to the name of the company, and it's now coming back, and they're remanufacturing no more than 24 examples of 
the 5300 GT, which was the, yeah. the the main car he made. And basically, it's an, it, it's it's the best of what you want from Italy of the era, and that is beautiful Italian styling by Giugiaro, who worked for Bertoni at the time, but with an American V8 engine they used back in the in the 60s. So they they put a, a 5.7 liter Chev engine into them back then. It's going to be a similar thing now. It's just, so it's going to be a an engine that you can work on in the garage. It's carburetor. It's uh, you know, no sort of uh, ECUs and, and all the kind of electronics, but manufactured in a modern way. So all the modern safety equipment in it as well. Um, I can't wait to see it, mm. if it if it eventually gets here. And I believe that there are one or two interested buyers in our region as well in the UAE. So I'm really looking forward to seeing it uh-huh. when it finally gets here. Probably the end of next year, I would have thought. I was having a little look on online at some images, and correct me if if I'm wrong, but it it, it kind of reminded me a bit of the of like the old MG, um, in kind of the styling and um, you know, very very kind of sporty. Yeah, yeah very much so, and that, and because it was from that era, and this is the this is the modern trend that's kicking in with car companies now to sort of counter people who love the the old style and want to reminisce as we go towards the, the electric future. This this new trend called continuation series and Aston Martin are doing it. They're remanufacturing the DB5, mm. the, the famous James Bond one. Uh, Jaguar are doing it with their old 1950s Le Mans cars, the D-types and the C-types. Bentley's even doing it now, a brand new 1929 Bentley that was made in 1929, the the, the blower Bentley that that, uh, that that raced at Brooklands and that's what it says. They're remanufacturing the tools, and they're actually making them on the same production lines lines they made them back then. Mm. So it's a new car with all the features, um, all the the, the standards that you expect from the manufacturer made to the specs from back then, and they're selling for eye-watering amounts of money um, because they're very limited in run. So, yeah, and Bizzarini is the the latest, and I'm really looking forward to seeing those when they when they eventually land. There's going to be other models as well. They're going to bring out as well. So someone will uh, yeah, it up. Uh, yeah. Every, everything old is new again. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, well, from old to new, and just very quickly because we are running out of time. Sadly, um, the new Mercedes EQA. This is Mercedes' first mainstream electric car, and it's it's out. It's launched. Yeah, so think of it as like the Mercedes GLA, the the little compact SUV, crossover SUV, but it's an electric motor. And this is Mercedes' whole new range called EQ, which is going to be a range of full electric vehicles across every model that they have. Hmm. And so you'll have the the EQs, eventually have the EQC and the EQS representing the C-Class and the S-Class. This is the EQA that starts at the base model. And we're, we're looking at around about prices haven't really been released for this region yet, but... They're around about 20% premium based on European and American prices. So Gargash, for instance, had one advertised GLA at the moment for 199.9. So it's fair to say it'll be around about the 230, 240 mark when it when it gets here. Um, but you know, being electric vehicle, of course, it has uh, it has all the the, the the electric features such as uh, um, electric intelligence that, that guides you the fastest route to any given destination based on your driving behavior or whether you're low in battery or that sort of thing. Um, they are being built both in Germany and in Beijing in China, a range of about 486 kilometers and a lithium-ion battery that's stacked in a, a double-decker style stack, which is actually a safer way that Mercedes use. They use, even use it with some of their petrol cars where the motor is stacked between effectively two floors so it falls to the road if you have a frontal impact so those kind of levels of mercedes safety technology is coming through um but yeah it's a big step this is this is the mercedes 
electric vehicle entry into the, the bottom end of the market. So it's, a, it's big news from the Germans. I'm not sure if I want a car which sort of gives me advice on what, where I should go based on my driving. I feel like it might just tell me to, to turn around and go home. You know, it's just going to be like, based on the last, <laughs> just don't even bother. Uh, Damien, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it, as, as always. Uh, can we chat to you in a couple of weeks' time? I'm always always available, right? Anytime. Thank you so much. And uh, wherever you are in the world, I hope you're uh, safe and well and having having fun. Damien, as always, a pleasure. I'll, uh, follow I'll him. be back soon. Good. At Damien Reed on social media. This is Motor Mania with Ray Addison. Powered by servicemycar.com, the UAE's first and largest vehicle servicing network. There's more coming up on Dubai I 103.8. Hello, car enthusiasts. Do you find yourself spending more time outdoors and looking for more outdoor activities these days? I'm going to stop talking like a promo now because the weather is great at this time of year. But also because these times are a bit difficult for us all, we have to be more careful how we socialise. So it's seen as a safe and socially distanced hobby for us to be going off-roading. And Abu Dhabi obviously has recently launched a number of off-roading experiences across its deserts. Also in Sharjah, there's a newly opened off-roading adventure park called X-Quarry, where you can bring your own vehicle to experience some of the activities there. So, if you are interested in off-roading, uh, now's the time to do it, and you should really listen to this interview as well, because I've been chatting to Mesa Wabi. She's a marshal at the very popular off-roading group Abu Dhabi 4x4, and she guides members through their off-road trips and of course needless to say she's an expert off-road driver herself she goes off-roading three times a week she's uh, about to tell me i mean i asked her about her group abu dhabi 4x4 and found out how she first got involved hey, abu dhabi 4x4 started in 2006 it's an off-roading club it was founded by two men that they have really passion for off-roading they want to know how to off-road at this time and they wanted to off-road in a community not just off-roading but they wanted to off-road in a a family-oriented community, so they thought of establishing this club ever since it has been running, and we're trying to maintain the same image. So in Abu Dhabi 4x4, you get the chance to actually learn all the skills techniques needed for driving off-roading. You go to the desert, you see a lot of areas, you explore new areas all the time, plus you still have the part of the family-oriented club where uh, male, female, children, everything is welcomed. We have different types of trips. Some trips are just dedicated for the children, some trips are dedicated for extreme drivers, so it's levels. So it's a community where you drive, enjoy, and explore the beautiful desert around. It's interesting that, um, you know, children and, and there's a children and family focus. Uh, what kind of special events would you do for, for children or, uh, and family? See, to start with, you know, the trips that we have are categorized into levels. So it's like a beginner level, then you move on. on, on. Of course, children, I'm, I'm talking about the children that would fit in a car seat, not babies, not toddlers, because again, it's not safe to bring them off-road. So I'm talking about, let's say, from age two to, to uh, um, and going forward. So we do have trips for beginners where they just enjoy minimal going around the desert, basic driving skills with a lot of breaks for them, they stop. We do have some activities, but now we stopped all the activities, but usually we do have some activities for kids. So, I mean, we want to we'll talk about the pandemic in a sec, but how did you first get involved in, in the organization, in the group? Okay, it's all started when I was so curious to know about off-roading. We did not have a 4x4 car then. Uh, and uh, I asked my husband if he knows, but he said, we, my friend knows a club. So I said, let's give it a try. We went, me and my husband, as passengers. We did not have a car at this point. 
And then we loved it. We loved it to the extent that uh, in less than a month, we bought our own four by four and we started going to the desert. This was seven years ago. So from seven years ago till now, we do this at least twice or three times a week. It's the best thing you could do in UAE. The desert in UAE is beautiful. Like I've never seen such beauty and it's just, you know, fresh air. It's a clean environment. You relax. It's very nice. So we've been doing it. And then in the club, again, we have ranks. So you need a certain um, skills, requirements, practice, driving skills, management skills, whatnot, till you reach the extent of something called the marshal. Mm. And now we're both marshals, which means that uh, we know our way around in the desert. So we're qualified enough to take people, teach them and uh, let them know what to do and how to get in and out safely from the desert. I like the idea of the marshal, but, but when I heard it, I wondered, is it a bit like being the off-road police? You know, do you have to kind of get, get tough with people? <laughs> no, but if, if anybody's being a little bit, you know, a little bit sort of uh, too adventurous, let's say, do you need to kind of rein people in? Do you have that kind of power? Uh, actually, we do. See, it's a, it's a, a marshal is like an uh, off-roading between all the clubs. It's an off-roading agreement on what the marshal could do and can't do. But in Abu Dhabi 4x4, we're very, very strict when it comes to safety rules. So as a marshal, if I see that case, yes, I have the right to stop the convoy in the middle of the desert and ask him very nicely, please, you're not abiding to the rules. It's either you go with our rules or you cannot drive with us anymore. It's a social uh, thing that we do. We do it as volunteers. It's all free of charge. But the whole idea is that we want people to enjoy, learn in a safe way. Talk to me about the terrain in Abu Dhabi. Are you, are you mainly heading out into a desert or do you ever go up into any kind of mountainous areas? What's the sort of, you, don't, you go three times a week, what's a typical sort of uh, trip like? Okay, as, um, for, for myself, I prefer the desert type. I only go to the desert. But as AD 4x4, we do all type of terrains. So we have mountains, we have rock crawling, and we have uh, desert. So, but as myself, I prefer the, the desert. So we go to the desert, but you have a lot of areas, a lot of areas around Abu Dhabi that you could go to. You could go from close areas like Al Khatm, Al Fayas, Waihan. You could go all the way to Liwa, which is like three hours drive on road to reach uh, Liwa. So it's a lot of uh, areas around. Sometimes we do drives just for beginners. Sometimes we go on advanced drives or expert drives where we actually get to enjoy the drive itself. So every time is different. Plus, don't forget, we have different people joining. We have a lot of members. So what we usually do is we uh, post the trip on the website, and then you're going to find people registering that they're interested. So every single trip, you're driving with different people. And the nice thing about it is that you get to meet a lot of other people, different personalities, different cultures, different nationalities. So it's a bit of driving and a social uh, gathering. Yeah, tell me about the numbers then. How many people would be off-roading, do you think, uh, in Abu Dhabi on a typical weekend? In general speaking, I would say if it's a Friday like yesterday, I would say minimum 500 cars were off-roading, not just from our club, from our club, different clubs. And of course, don't forget the local people, they really like going uh, to the desert. So I would say minimum, minimum 500 cars were there in the area that we were in yesterday. So as, as a club, do you try to avoid areas where there are other people kind of just hobby, hobby off-roading as well? Do you kind of try and pick an area that you know is maybe a little bit out of the way or where you won't be disturbed as much by other drivers? 
Yes, definitely. Definitely. If we know it's a crowded area, we're not going to go there. Uh, some uh, mountains are very famous and people, we know that, for example, at Friday after PM, it's very crowded. We don't take our drivers there because of the risk of having so many cars around. But anyway, even if you go into the desert, all off-road are crops. It's like there is a etiquette or understanding of how to drive off-road. So if, for example, you're, you're leading a convoy and I'm leading a convoy, even if we're different from different clubs, we're going to stop. If I see your convoy, it's either you pass with your convoy or I pass with my convoy. Usually it's difficult that uh, we will interact because all the marshals know each other from different clubs and you know that you cannot jeopardize the safety of the people that are behind you. Maybe not all of them are uh, good drivers or expert drivers. I wanted to ask you about the skill of off-roading. How much skill does it take? Because I've been off-roading sort of four or five times as a, as a passenger. I've been terrified every single time. <laughs> and and the, <laughs> the driver has always had this delighted look on his face because he loves terrifying me. But, he know, but also he's in control. He knows exactly what he's doing. But, you know, as somebody who, who doesn't know what they're doing, I kind of feel like, well, do people ever push it too far? Do, do, have you seen accidents happen? How, how much skill does it take to avoid becoming that person who has an accident? Uh, okay, Taban, let me tell you something to start with. Being a passenger sometimes is way more difficult than driving, by the way, yeah? because right. the, you're not controlling things, so you're just afraid and you don't know what's happening. But if you're driving, it's much easier for you because at least you're in control. So I understand being a passenger for off-roading is very difficult, so that's why you were terrified. Of course, there are accidents. Accidents happen everywhere, on-road and off-road. Taban, off-road accidents, when they happen, at least uh, if something, God forbids, happen, it's sand. It's not uh, paved. Uh, so again, the consequences are less than what happens on road. But if you want to do it in a proper way and to avoid accident, the best way to do so is by joining a group. Mm. You cannot go off-roading alone. You cannot go off-roading two cars. And even as marshals, we don't go two cars alone. Minimum, you must be three cars if they're experienced. You have to join a club. You have to join a community where they teach you, take you step by step. The levels we have, they were done after a lot of research and a lot of experience. So we know that uh, people need to learn one, two, three to be able to drive in the desert. Even when you're the best driver in the world, driving in the desert alone is never safe. Like we've seen uh, cases where we are driving as a convoy and then we pass by a person or a family that they are stuck. And they, we ask them what happened. They say, we've been stuck for hours and we don't know what to do because wow. they don't have the experience. One time we found a person that was stuck since last night. The car, something happened to the radiator of the car. He couldn't move the car since last night. So it's difficult. Don't drive. Never, never, ever drive alone. It's very risky, especially that uh, people as beginners, they're not going to know their way around. You know, in the desert, it's just desert. It's pure sand everywhere. We know, unless we have GPS, we know the off-roading GPS, we could get you out. So if you want to do it in a safe way, you must join a club. We start teaching people how to deflate their tires, how to engage the 4 by 4 You know, we take it very, very easy. And then you take it according to the pace of the drivers. So don't go alone. Go with a group. OK, so definitely not one for lone wolves. Go with a group. Uh, and because of COVID, it's best to stick with family or relatives as well. Um, that's Mesa Wabi you can hear there. She's a marshal at the popular off-roading group Abu Dhabi 4x4. And it does sound like a, a really good community. But how do you get started? And is it an expensive hobby? I'm guessing yes. <laughs> it is expensive. I have to say it's an expensive hobby. But again, it depends on the person. It depends on the budget. Some people go with their cars and they don't modify it. They just buy the four by four, whatever it costs them, and they go with it and they're happy with the capabilities of the car and they never ask for more. 
Some people are not like this. Some people go on upgrading the cars, modifying the cars, and they want more and more from the car. So it depends on the person. Yani it depends on the person, and it depends on uh, which level they want to drive. Yani for example, as a beginner, you could go with any 4x4 car, no need for any modification, custom car, just go. You will enjoy the trip, you will enjoy the drive, you will have a full day. You don't need to do anything. So what I want to know is, where is your number one spot in the UAE? It doesn't have to be Abu Dhabi, but in the UAE to go off-roading. And if you could go off-roading anywhere in the world, is there somewhere that you've kind of got in mind that you would love to take a trip there? And Worldwide, I've never thought of it, but within the boundaries that we have here, if you would ask any off-roader, they're going to say that the first uh, off-roading area or the first preferred area is Liwa. It's like uh, off-roading heaven. But that, again, uh, like I told you before, it's three hours on road. It's in the, it's in the borders with Saudi Arabia, so it's, 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 uh, it's a bit far. Then we have in Abu Dhabi, in Dubai, you have a lot of beautiful desert all around. So we do in Abu Dhabi trips and we do in Dubai trips with all the desert around. But I would say, of course, there is nothing that beats the beauty of Liwa. Mm. So um, the pandemic has affected everyday life in pretty much every way imaginable. It must have had an impact upon... Um, you guys as well and, and, and the off-roading scene what sort of changes have you had to implement because of COVID-19? Okay we stopped during the lockdown we completely stopped the activities we banned any drives no one was allowed to go we did not register anything on the website throughout the period of the lockdown which was a few months then when things started opening up again we started driving but we have a lot of restrictions uh, to be able to join now we minimize the number of people in convoy and yani we don't take as many people as we used to do before and if you're coming then it's either your family or again you have to go inside the car or you have to go with the number that's uh, allowed we stopped most of the social gatherings that we do yani we used to do parties every season we used to do big events where we gather all the families this stop this year we did not do anything no camps at all no um, uh, parties no big events where we gather everyone so basically this year we're just uh stick to the driving and if you're going to sit after the driving we're going to sit a few people not as many as we used to do before with the social distancing and of course you know all the rules of the COVID-19 with the mask and everything they apply so we stopped I'll say that the pandemic uh, affected the activities the social activities or the parties that we used to do however we have a lot of other members that joined the club because uh, there is nothing that they could do right now. So they started uh, Googling or trying to find what other activities can we do in a safe environment. So a lot of new members joined the club during that past year because they think that the desert is a safe environment. It's a healthy atmosphere. Uh, no contact with anyone. It's just sand and sun and wind. So we have a lot of people who joined because they enjoy being outdoor more than being in a mall or something because of the risk of the infection. What would you say, um, finally, Mesa, what advice would you give to somebody who's listening to this and thinking, do you know what, I've been thinking about this for a while, but I'm not quite sure. W what final piece of advice would you give to them about going off-roading? It is the best thing that you could do in Abu Dhabi. Guys, don't wait. Don't hesitate. It's the best thing you will do. I have been here for 11 years. I started doing this for seven years and I regret not doing this from day one. I think I wasted some time till I actually knew that off-roading thing. 
it's the best environment you get to experience a new adventure you get to meet nice people with the same interest and hobby it's it's so totally worth it give it a try you won't regret it now that is a person who loves off-roading it was a real pleasure to chat to me so she was very generous with her time and it was um she was lovely to talk to as well and, and she, she almost almost convinced me to go off-roading in fact she was saying to me afterwards like you know let me arrange for you to go in dubai and you go with a really safe group it'll be really fun do you know what i am thinking about it but i just i've had a couple of those bad experiences and i think it's me it's just me i'm not that person that wants to be at the top of the roller coaster about to fall down if if you enjoy that off-roading is for you for me i just think the older i get i just want i just want to be safe i just want to be warm and safe and comfortable Okay, uh, up next, we are going to set all the score. Who has more authority when it comes to purchasing your family car, husband or wife? There's more to come on Motormania with Ray Addison. Powered by servicebycar.com. We collect, we service, we deliver. Dubai I 103.8. Yes, all during the show, we've been running a poll on our social media at Dubai I 103.8 FM, asking who makes the final decision when it comes to buying a car in your family. Is it the husband or is it the wife? And it's kind of off the back of a um, an awards which is taking place this month. It's the Women's World Car of the Year Awards and it's an all-female judging panel and uh, we're joined on the line now by the GCC representative for the awards, Shireen Shabnam and a friend of this show. Good morning, Shireen. Hello, good morning, Ray. How, How are, are you? you doing? Yeah, very well. Of course, you are the editor-in-chief <laughs> of the Millennium Millionaire Group. You're also a motoring and a lifestyle journalist. So you're the perfect person to talk about this um, and you're connected <laughs> with these, these awards as well. Um, I'm going to tell you, at the moment, the poll that we've been running is 80, 80% is uh, the husband would make the decision, 20% the wife. Um, how do you respond yeah. to that? Are you surprised by it? Uh, not really, because that's generally what people think is the right thing to say. But mm. everybody knows it is the woman. That's who what makes I think. The first. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it, they, they basically... Um, steer the husband towards buying something that's practical and you know yeah. um, and something the, the, that can benefit the family more and the steering probably happens without the husband even being aware of it it's just absolutely <laughs> we we have a knack for making the men realize that it's actually their idea but in reality it's not <laughs> absolutely well, 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 you're one of the representatives for the Women's World Car of the Year Award. It's, it, yeah. the, it's all women on the judging panel. Why is that important? Um, it's uh, mainly because, you see, in the past, uh, the automotive industry was fully, like, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of, like, dominated by men. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think manufacturers started to realise that it was actually the woman who was making the decision. So um, more and more manufacturers started responding to that. If you look at all the luxury brands, they're starting to follow the same trend as what made brands like Audi, BMW, uh, Mercedes successful. It's because they had an offering that they didn't, which is the SUV segment. Mm. And now if you look at over the last five years alone, you know, you've got the more premium luxury brands saying, you know what, we need a piece of this pie too. Mm. 
you know? And and as a result, you see that even people like uh, Lamborghini came up with the Urus, which was a, a, it it is a successful car, Mm. you know, for for women. Absolutely. It's it's all about sort of... um giving women more of a voice in, in this field as well and, and showing, you know, women are passionate about cars and knowledgeable about, about cars as well. Uh, can I read you a text that we had? Um, Justine messaged Absolutely. in. Because I know I know one of the things that um, over the years women have, have found that they've, you know, ha- maybe been patronised if they go into dealerships or that it's assumed yeah. that they don't understand, um, you know, maybe some of the factors of the car. Justine messaged in, said, she said, I went to one of the big dealerships on Shakeside Road last weekend with my husband. Our kids have grown up. I no longer need a seven-seater. I wanted to downsize to something more fun to drive. The male salesperson yeah. would only talk to my husband. Even after my husband told him to talk to me, as it was my decision, he still only spoke to him. We're Australian, so no cultural sensitivity required. Needless <laughs> to say, we walked out and they lost the sale. Do you think this is quite a common experience for women? I actually think that is, because mm. often it happened to me in the past as well. Mm-hmm. And I've actually walked out of dealerships as well, where I felt, you know, they, they were not paying as much attention as they would a male buyer but i was uh you know at the end of the day i'm going to drive the car i will buy it Mm. and i'll make the decision you know and uh, i think they seem to forget that every person in the showroom counts absolutely i mean look you know we uh, all of us enjoy cars and motoring in in different ways and you know you can you can love cars without knowing or understanding anything about the technical side of it or or, you know sort of vice versa you might be all about the engine and not really care what it what it looks like so you know there's sort of there's something for everybody within this world I mean what would you say to anybody male or female listening who sort of feels like they're a bit out of depth when it comes to buying a car how would you sort of encourage them to take control of 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 that situation I think do your homework, you know, you have to look at your lifestyle, your needs, and then decide. I had a young Emirati man who who wanted to have a supercar, but then he was very active in sports. He was diving. He wanted a car. He wanted a Ferrari Lamborghini type car, but he wanted something where he could actually have a little bit of boot space to put his equipment and stuff and be able to enjoy what he does Mm. while driving a car he loves. So, I mean, I recently drove the Ferrari Roma and Mm. I, you know, the minute I put the photos up, he called me and I said, look, (laughs) this car actually has space. You can still have your power. You can still have your Ferrari and you can still get the space. So I think research is so important because sometimes you might want a car, but you have this perception Mm. that uh, I like this brand, but I'm not sure they have what what would suit me. Do your homework because you would be surprised. And give you you a call. How do we find you online, Shireen? What's your your social media? Uh, Shireen Chabnam. Uh, You can also look at All About Wheels, where we have lots of uh, stories on cars. Fantastic. Um, My website, shereenshabnam.com, has got a motoring section, so you'll find loads of articles 
um, on cars. I drive roughly four to five new cars a month. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> Shireen, <laughs> I'm going moment... to have to bid you farewell, sadly, because we are running out yeah. of time. But thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we really appreciate <laughs> your views on this. And good luck with the with the awards. Hope they go well. Come back on the show if you can and, and let us know who won and uh, who made it through to the, uh, the top position, the pole position. Uh, thanks to everyone who's been joining us for the programme today. Um, we've had lots of texts. We didn't get time to read them out and fix it or flip it, but we will uh, put them on the next show, which is the 20th of February. And uh, if you ever want to get involved in the debate, 4001, that is the number to message us on. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time.